0: You're listening to Children of the Living God. This is a series in the book of Hosea. And our goal is to get you into the Old Testament, to be able to understand it, for it to be accessible to you. And one of the best ways to do that is to just read it, understand it, hear it read to you. And Hosea is one of those books that really gives you an insight into a lot of the major themes of the Old Testament. And one of the major themes is God's redemptive love towards his people. It's God's faithfulness. It's specifically his faithfulness to his promises. And that undergirds all of the narrative that you see in the Old Testament. But in order to understand why God's faithfulness is so important, we have to recognize the unfaithfulness of Israel. And the book of Hosea centers around Hosea, who's a prophet, who is commanded by God to live out, to act out this parable of God's relationship with Israel. And it looks like this. God tells Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer, and she's going to repeatedly cheat on you. And you, in return, are going to love her, and you're going to redeem her and win her back to yourself. And God says, this is a parable of how I treat Israel. She has consistently worshipped other gods, turned away from my law, committed spiritual adultery, and despite all the ways she has scorned me, I'm still going to be faithful to her and I'm going to actually draw her back to me. But the way it happens is discipline, then redemption. In other words, God doesn't just say, well, I'm just going to keep being faithful and love her and not care about her sin. No, he's actually going to let her experience some of the consequences of her sin so that eventually she'll realize, man, this isn't working. Like I was so loved by God. What am I doing? I'm going to go back to him. And so what you see in chapters one through three is that Hosea is going to win back Gomer, but he's going to, he's going to discipline her. He's going to say, hey, I'm going to cut you off from your lovers. I'm going to let you feel what your choices have done to you so that you'll return to me. And God does the same thing to Israel. I'm going to let you feel the results of your idolatry. I'm going to let you feel my discipline against you so that your hearts would be softened so that eventually you would return back to me. So discipline, then redemption is the pattern. Now, Hosea 4-5 is a desperate plea from Hosea to Israel's leaders to repent, And not just to repent themselves, but to lead the entire nation in repentance. But the problem is the leaders of Israel are themselves corrupt. So this is a a final Hail Mary, a final plea of saying, listen, if you keep sitting in this way, God will unleash all the curses of the covenant that he promised in Deuteronomy. This is what God says. God is faithful to his word. So turn away while there is still time. So keep that in mind as we read Hosea 4 and 5. This is from the New Living Translation. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is in mourning, and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. So you will stumble in broad daylight, and your false prophets will fall with you in the night, and I will destroy Israel, your mother. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. The more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols." When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when the people sin. And what the priests do, the people also do. So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. They will eat and still be hungry. They will play the prostitute and gain nothing from it, for they have deserted the Lord to worship other gods. Wine has robbed my people of their understanding. They ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them about the future. Longing after idols has made them foolish. They have played the prostitutes, serving other gods and deserting their god. They offer sacrifices to idols on the mountaintops. They go up into the hills to burn incense in the pleasant shade of oaks, poplars, and terebinth trees. That is why your daughters turn to prostitution, and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. But why should I punish them for their prostitution and adultery? For your men are doing the same thing, sinning with whores and shrine prostitutes. Oh, foolish people, you refuse to understand, so you will be destroyed." Though you, Israel, are a prostitute, may Judah not be guilty of such things. Do not join the false worship at Gilgal or Beth of En, and do not take oaths there in the Lord's name. Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer. So should the Lord feed her like a lamb in a lush pasture? Leave Israel alone, because she is married to idolatry. When the rulers of Israel finish their drinking, off they go to find some prostitutes. They love shame more than honor, so a mighty wind will sweep them away. Their sacrifices to idols will bring them shame. So hear this, you priests. Pay attention, you leaders of Israel. Listen, you members of the royal family. Judgment has been handed down against you. For you have led the people into a snare by worshiping the idols at Mizpah and Tabor. You have dug a deep pit to trap them at the Acacia Grove. But I will settle with you for what you have done. I know what you're like, O Ephraim. You can't hide yourself from me, O Israel. You have left me as a prostitute leaves her husband. You are utterly defiled. Your deeds won't let you return to your God. You are a prostitute through and through, and you do not know the Lord. The arrogance of Israel testifies against her. Israel and Ephraim will stumble under their load of guilt. Judah, too, will fall with them. And when they come with their flocks and herds to offer sacrifices to the Lord, they will not find him because he has withdrawn from them. They have betrayed the honor of the Lord, bearing children that are not his. And now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. Sound the alarm in Roll, Blow the trumpet in Ramah. Raise the battle cry in Beth-Aven. Lead on into battle, O warriors of Benjamin. One thing is certain, Israel. On your day of punishment, you will become a heap of rubble. The leaders of Judah have become like thieves, so I will pour my anger on them like a waterfall. The people of Israel will be crushed and broken by my judgment because they are determined to worship idols. I will destroy Israel as a moth consumes wool. I will make Judah as weak as rotten wood. When Israel and Judah saw how sick they were, Israel turned to Assyria, to the great king there, but he could not help nor cure them. I will be like a lion to Israel, like a strong young lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces. I will carry them off and no one will be left to rescue them. Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. These are two very intense chapters, and in order to understand them, we have to understand the concept of covenant. So out of all the nations in the world, God chose Israel to be his people, and he established with them a covenant, which is a legal binding relationship with blessings and curses. So a good analogy, it's not an exact thing, but a good analogy would be a marriage. A marriage is a legal reality. There are legal obligations from one party to the other. And what that means with a nation is that God's relationship to Israel is a corporate one. In other words, when leadership is good, the nation prospers. When leadership is bad, the nation suffers. There are corporate blessings and corporate Curses, and you see that God remains patient, even though First Kings and Second Kings just basically shows a, a multiple successions of kings doing terrible things, and yet God continues to prosper the land. So, so God is still incredibly gracious and merciful. But his patience will come to an end, and if Israel continues in their rebellion, he's going to remove the blessings of the covenant and enact the curses of the covenant, which are uh, removing prosperity and ultimately kicking them out of the land in exile. Now, God's specific target in leadership is the priesthood. Priests are mediators, and what that means is they represent God to the people and the people to God. So they're responsible for representing Israel when they do the sacrificial rites, when they do the the sacrifices and the cleansings and all the offerings, they represent Israel toward God. But they're also teachers of the law. They teach Israel what the law commands and and they exhort Israel to obey those laws. But the priesthood in Israel has failed in both counts. They have sacrificed to false gods. They have allowed their daughters to be temple prostitutes, committing all kinds of sexual immorality. They're eating the food offered to idols, so they're benefiting from Israel's sin. And they're failing to teach the law because they themselves are corrupt. They themselves are wicked. And as a result, God's people don't know God. They don't know God. And that is a constant refrain in the Old Testament. What does it mean to know God? It's not just knowing that there is a fact that there is a God out there somewhere. Knowing God is about loving God and being faithful to him in obedience. That's what knowing God means. And the whole point is that the priesthood, because they themselves don't know God, are not leading the people to know and obey and to love God. So Israel is about to face the discipline of God. Now remember, this is, there's, a, there's a pattern here. Discipline, then redemption. So God's going to remove blessing from the land. He's going to reject Israel's leaders. He's going to give the nation over to her idolatry. If you love these other lovers so much, go have them. See what life is like. And they're going to turn to Assyria. They're going to turn to other nations for help, and they're not going to be able to help or cure them. God is shutting all the exits. He is preventing them from going to any other hope so that they eventually acknowledge their guilt before God and repent and return back to God, return back to prosperity, return back to the blessing of being God's people. Now, Old Testament passages like this are tricky. On the one hand, God often gives nations the leaders they deserve. Right, A culture of materialism and vanity will produce leaders that reflect those values. But we also have to be careful not to woodenly or just slap Old Testament Israel passages onto America. Right, Because God did not make a covenant with America. So we want to be careful doing that. It's not a one-to-one deal. I think a better parallel is with the church, because God did enact a new covenant with the church. We are God's people. We are in covenant with him. And one of those things that we see is that God takes it seriously what leaders do right? If leaders are corrupt like the priests, if they themselves worship idols, the idols of materialism or vanity or wealth or any kind or consumerism or sexual grat- gratification, any of these things, if they, if they bow themselves to these things, they're going to do a great disservice and great harm to their people who follow them. So preachers need to be people who have integrity and who are faithful to God themselves. And they also need to be faithful to teach the law, They are teachers of the law. They are to teach God's people what God's word says. What does God want his church to do? And that means sometimes they're going to have to call out the church. They're going to have to say, hey, we should not be buying into these cultural fads. We should not be buying into the values of the world. We need to understand what's biblical. What does God actually call us to be in this sphere of influence, in this community, in this world? We don't want to compromise our integrity. And so leaders are held to that standard. And not only that, but they're to call others who are under them to that standard. But God is so merciful, right? When he, when he wants to turn from our idols, he wants us to turn away from that which is destroying us back to him who loves us. It's the same thing with Gomer. Gomer is abused by these other lovers that she runs after, she hunts after, and they do her nothing. And it's in that moment she realizes God is the one. Hosea is the one, my husband who loves me. God is the one who loves us. And he's the one who wants what's best for us. So when we turn away from idols, we find not dour, grumpy, miserable religion. We find blessing, healing, redemption, and restoration. But we have to leave our other lovers behind. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, let your friends know about it, leave a nice review that helps us out a lot. And hopefully this is helping you get into the Old Testament.